All right. And we're back with another episode of Around the Map. I'm your host, Conscious Keelan. We're going to play another game. I know some of you out there, this might be your first time joining us. So we've got a little game. We're going to talk all things grappling, jujitsu, martial arts. Um, we've got a couple of guys on the panel. I'm going to ask for their opinions. If they have a good point, they will get a point. Sounds like that. If they have a bad one, they will lose a point. Sounds like that. All right. So introducing first, as always, the man, the myth, the sunglasses wearing legend, Brandon McCatherine. Greetings, citizens. We also have joining us our resident expert, 10th Planet Black Belt, Matt Scaff. I just missed the fedora for the intros. I loved how Keelan would use like the fedora bowl or the fedora wearing legend. I miss it. He needs it back. We also have joining us again, 10th Planet Black Belt, Sean Applegate. What's up? And joining us for the first time on the panel, 10th Planet Brown Belt, or Purple Belt, excuse me, out of 10th Planet St. Paul, Nick Creighton. Hey. Awesome. So we're about to play a game, guys. Um, Let's see. Let's start. We got a, a special guest, Nick Creighton here. He was also the winner of the Mid-South Classic this past weekend. So I guess let's start talking about that. Um, Brandon, you were the commentator there. What did you think about the tournament as a whole? I know you have your um, hesitations towards like absolute tournaments. You think that the big guys aren't as exciting. I think it went well. What did you think about the Mid-South Classic? I thought the Mid-South was a lot of fun. I thought it was it, – I like tournaments and matchups where there's a, more on the line, like where the guys are hungrier. So like – you know, in the UFC, you take the best guys, you put them in the title fight. the The margin of error is so small that a lot of times they're they they don't take the risk and stuff that some of the undercard fighters will take. They'll jump out there and they're starving, they're hungry, they're looking for their shot. They get out there and take big risk and create a lot of action and excitement. I think that's true in jujitsu as well. And so, I really enjoyed the purple belt and under aspect of the Mid-South Classic for this one. You know, I think this is the first time that he said, you know, nobody higher than Purple Belt in the bracket. And you're right. I don't normally get too excited about the heavyweights. But an absolute is, is a little better, though, than just a straight heavyweight bracket. Because with the absolute, you know, we get a, what do you weigh, Nick? Like 180, something like that? Yeah, like 180, 185 usually. And he comes in and submits everybody. That's exciting. So an absolute can be exciting because it's not all heavyweights. So, you know, all an all heavyweight tournament can sometimes get a little slow. It's I mean, it's exciting. It's the big boys, but it's a little little slow pace usually. Nick, how'd it go from your perspective coming out with the dub? Um, it uh it went exactly as planned. Uh, I went in there um intending on heel hooking everybody. Uh, I think I even sent a message uh through Venmo or something like that to the, uh, to Stephen Aiken. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean the, uh, you know, my training partners, uh, at next level combat are consistently larger, bigger than me. Um, and, uh, and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of deep technique that goes on at next level combat. There's a lot of deep talent there. So, uh, I kind of went in thinking to myself and knowing from my own experience in tournaments that, um, you know, it's unlikely that I'm going to meet somebody that's going to be able to play the same leg lock game that I can play. 
Um, and whenever I, uh, whenever I compete, whenever I'm going for those leg locks, I just think of it as a race, right? You know, who's going to be faster than me if they can't be faster than I'm going to win. So, uh, Sean, what about you? You had a couple guys competing in the mid South. How'd it go from your perspective? Oh, it was great, man. We had like some of our like up up and coming guys, you know what I mean? Like it was a purple belt and below. So I got a chance to stick some of the guys that are just getting into like competing professionally or trying to make money or uh do like more of these types of tournaments. Um so I had like Kevin Buring who's been training like 14 or 15 months. He's a blue belt jump in there and uh he was able to submit his way all the way to the finals, which was which was good for him. Lots of good reps. Um and eventually losing to Nick, which was also really good for him, uh, because it's a chance to grow as well. Uh, and then Kevin Sherrill, who has like a lot more competition under his belt than Beering, but as far as jujitsu competition is concerned, the first couple years of his jujitsu journey, he was just because he was a D1 wrestler, they were just pushing him at his other gym to do IBJJF and not actually do jujitsu with these guys. They were just like, "Look, you're a D1 wrestler, man. You could you could probably win Nogi Worlds all the way up until Purple Belt before you have to concern yourself with." crazy technical jujitsu yeah so like he'd been training like three years and was a blue belt and a d1 wrestler and he didn't even have a guard like first day he trained with me i was like like i swept you and now you're just like a turtle you know what i mean like it was insane like his guard but his guard's doing better now but it was it was great for him as well because he gets to go out there and see all these different looks you know and unfortunately oh i guess fortunately and unfortunately you know Steven put them both on the same side, which I get makes a lot of sense to me why you would do that. He ended up losing the Beering and the semis, which is like Beering's going to actively avoid all of the, the pitfalls with Kevin, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> he trains with him every day. So um, so I, from my perspective, it was great. Steven always puts on an awesome tournament, dude. This one was a, a little bit next level as well because he, he had, you know, Brandon was there to commentate and he really put some energy into this when the showmanship was nice. I, I really enjoyed it. And the camera work was solid obviously you, you were there keelan um so yeah i thought it was an amazing experience man and as for my guys I, I know that they left like uh grateful for the opportunity to get better at their craft you know scaff what did you think um you know it's pretty clear to me i didn't know a lot of the guys I, I was obviously aware of the atlanta guys the decatur guys and the jacksonville guys but other than that i didn't know too many of the names um the left side of the bracket when i saw everybody compete I knew Nick was going to make it to the finals. Like after the first match, I was like, oh yeah, Nick's easily going to make it to the finals. And that's what he did. I knew, you know, Kevin church is big and strong. I just didn't know if Kevin had the firepower to beat Nick. And again, you know, Nick got in on his legs. And, and when I saw the game, Nick was playing, I was like, yeah, you know, uh, he's going to be in the finals. The right side of the bracket was definitely a toss up to me. And, and I thought both Kevin's were the favorites. It was interesting though. It was like, it was funny. It was like people would have like a phenomenal performance and then in their next round, they would kind of just get smoked. Right. Um, and so I saw a lot of that. I think the guy that like, you know, he didn't win, but that I really enjoyed watching was that Onyx guy. I thought Onyx was like a really oh, fun yeah. grappler to watch, Onyx man. Rolling. Yeah. He was really, really fun to watch. I know he's like, I think he's a blue belt, but I think of all the guys that, um, you know, were there, I really enjoyed watching Onyx compete. He just is going to get a fun style. I'm, I'm a big fan of the blue belts and obviously Kevin Buring, you know, being a blue belt and submitting his way. I, I can't wait to see what's next for, for Kevin Buring. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of the under, you know, the under purple belt shows. It's uh, super exciting at this point. 
if you're an established black belt in the scene, I'm honestly like not as excited to watch you. You know, I like these young and up and coming black belts, guys like the Rutolos and Roberto, yada, yada, yada. Right. And um, that and I, I want to see blues and purples compete. No gi sub only blues and purples and up and coming black belts to me, most exciting guys in the game to watch. So, yeah, I was definitely a big fan of Onyx and Kevin Buring, what they did. I, I, I love seeing – especially I love watching Kevin armbar our guy. I know how hard Evan is to armbar, um, you know, and Evan did some really good defense. We stayed in the pocket too long, and, and man, it was really cool. I love watching Kevin show different aspects of his game. So I'd like to ask one question just to all of you. Um, leg locks. Man, especially in like an absolute division like that. I mean, a couple of years ago, we saw Lachlan Giles just do what he did in the absolute division at the highest levels. And then we saw Nick and Kevin make it to the finals of this Mid-South absolute and lots of leg locks. Um, is the community still behind on leg locks, even in no gi? Um, just talk about the aspect of the leg locks for a second. I think overall the community is still behind, <clears throat> but I think there's pockets now where it's at least in the discussion everywhere for the most part you know not everybody's putting the kind of emphasis and technical prowess onto their students that sean is or that we're trying to get or that obviously is happening up in saint paul but yeah i think it's i think it's in the discussion pretty much everywhere now and the places where it's not those are generally the people who are like well you shouldn't go compete because um you know competition's not real uh, martial arts anyway <laughs> anybody else on the leg lock x factor yeah, yeah you know i think leg locks and nogi you know people are starting to catch up and people are starting to figure things out and people are starting to do really great things with the leg locks in there but you know i think what is often overlooked about nogi is the fact that people's passing game is really not uh, as advanced as I think um, most people think that it is. You know, I, I think that I think that when you see people do leg locks and you see people pull into leg locks and you see people pull guard right away, um, especially when they don't have the wrestling skill to stand up to, you know, Olympians and, uh, and D1 wrestlers and, and things of that nature. Um, what you're seeing is you're seeing people that simply are not able to, uh, that aren't able to pass people's guard, right? You know, and I think that uh, I think that what I expect to see personally, uh, as jujitsu continues to evolve and continues to grow, is I expect to see a resurgence of guard play, especially with uh, people like Andrew Wilsey and people like uh, Dante Leon and you know other people that are interested in actually uh, getting past the guard for uh, for. Um, you know the points and things like that but uh, going even beyond that i think that when you go into a submission only tournament if you're trying to pass somebody's guard and your leg lock game has to be so good it has to be so it has to be strong enough to stand up to you know these fast pace uh, leg lock battles otherwise you know you're just gonna get smoked right <clears throat> so that's just my two cents um i think the deficit in leg locking pretty much almost exclusively exists at the lowest level right yeah like i don't really think it exists that much at the highest level i think a lot of people think that i think a lot of people would say things like that it would say like oh well, look at lachlan giles he leg locked these phenomenal 
grapplers at the highest level. Now he leg locked guys who are at the yeah. highest level in a format that doesn't incorporate leg locks very much. In jujitsu, we have several rule sets that we train under and compete under. Um, and they're so different that you can specialize in one or the other and be the greatest ever in that rule set and be absolutely horrible at one of the other ones at the exact same time. You know what I mean? Um, but I'll give a couple of like compare and contrast moments. Like you will see the mid South classic and you'll see the leg locks that happened in there. Like, and they're, they're all right. Like some of the things that happened were okay. You know what I mean? But none of that stuff is what you're going to see from like Gordon, if he goes after somebody's leg or what you're going to see, like from people like that. Um, and the reason for that is because the reactions that you're getting from these people at this level are not the same. You know what I mean? Um, further, you know, into like what sort of what Nick was saying about the guard passing, it feels at the low levels like guard passing is kind of bad. You know what I mean? It does feel that way. But when you get to the higher levels, it, that's not the case. So I'll give the example of Lucas Laprie, who absolutely doesn't do heel hooks or any of that stuff at all. And Lachlan Giles from the exact same ADCC that he blew up for heel hooking those guys in the absolute. Lucas Laprie made Lachlan Giles look like a white belt that day. That same time with no leg locks at all. With knee slice passing, which is like a pretty difficult like guard pass to do at the highest level. And Lucas Laprie just grinded him out, took his back, and that was a wrap with zero leg locks and i knew in that moment like watching because lachlan had been talking a lot about outside position entrances to leg locks and things like that and he had a, a different uh sort of method for finishing um than most people do i was like well these are a lot of really good ideas i hope that they pan out i want to see that against the highest level people in the world and he tried it against lucas apri when i saw that draw i was like here's the test dude Lucas doesn't do leg locks, and he's going to play on the inside with you. He's not like these other guys that are going to try to run circles around your guard. He's going to get right on the inside and go to work. So if you have leg lock stuff that works off outside position, this is the absolute test right here. And Lucas just destroyed him. He didn't even get a chance. And so I was like, cool, so what did we learn? You know what I mean? Outside position is not great for leg locks, and you don't necessarily have to have you know super high-level leg locks to deal with people at the highest level, if that makes sense, in contrast. Um, Ryan Aiken, one of my brown bolts that won Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worlds, leg lock game really isn't that great at all. His guard passing is phenomenal. And so he gets into leg attacks with people and submits people with leg locks because his guard passing is so dangerous that they play the dilemmas and they feed into the leg locks and they hand him everything he wants and more. You know what I mean? But there are still white belts in my gym that if they get a hold of his leg, it's a wrap. You know? And he's out here trading leg locks with Kyle Chambers like a he like he's just gonna go out here and heel hook Kyle Chambers, you know what I mean? And it's all because of guard passing. Kyle never would have ended up in those situations if he wasn't trying to stop Ryan's guard passing. His guard passing is so good. Like that's just what it comes down to. So anyway, these are the things that I see, and these are the things that we prepare for at our school, uh, with guys competing in things like BBI, CJJ, ADCC, things like that. Um, and that's my I guess that's my thoughts on leg locking as a whole in the community. Yeah, it's tough to follow Sean right there because, I mean, I agree with a lot of what he said. I, I completely agree on pretty much everything um, that Sean was saying. I, I always look at the initial reactions, right, and especially if we compare to five years ago. I mean, I remember when you could just backstep. You could go into a gym and literally just do a backstep from the quarter guard and tap out every single person. 
I mean, I remember as a purple belt going to a few places and it was just like I was doing something. I mean, that's how far schools are behind. Nobody's that far behind anymore. Nobody. I mean, the initial reactions have gotten so much better. Um, and especially at that highest level, I mean, it's, it's pretty tough, man. I mean, if you're coming in there just trying to get honey hole entries and, and finish at the top, the top guys, you're, you're going to really struggle with that. I think we see guys like Oliver Taza. I mean, Oliver Taza has been struggling. And if we talk about the best leg walkers in the world, I mean, Oliver's got to be right up there. And when he's at these events with, you know, even guys that aren't true sub only guys, he's still struggling too. I mean, he's not winning the IBJJF like everybody thought he was. People just thought that, oh, he looks now. Well, a guy like Oliver Taza is just going to be the nogi world champion and that's not what's happened and so man i think jujitsu is at a, a a great place um and to me that the the development at least leg lock defensively i mean there's very few guys that are actually good leg lockers like sean was saying i mean you can be a decent leg locker and be the best leg locker at most shows there's very few elite level leg lockers out there i mean maybe maybe a dozen i mean there's really not a lot of guys that really impressed me um leg lock wise um and you got guys like you know mikey musamichi like you know he's a good he's not a great leg locker i mean people put him now as the leg lock specialist dude this dude's light years away from a guy like eddie cummings i mean he's not even close so um, anyways, I say that all that to say, man, I think the community is really caught up at some, I mean, even, uh, you know, some of the leg locks that were done at mid South, like there's some really good entries. I, I really loved watching Nick, you know, um, all of his leg locks. I, it was really fun, especially watching him, you know, leg lock a guy like Kevin church. If you've ever rolled with Kevin, you know, that dude is a grown man, but man, I think the community's catching up. And I, I think the, the guys that are the elite level leg lockers are, um, very few and far between is what I'll say. But there's some dudes out there that you cannot let on your legs. But, again, very few of those. All right. Let's move on from the Mid-South, and we will move into the next uh, local jiu-jitsu tournament, the PGF. We got some qualifiers coming up for the PGF. Uh, season 4 is 155. What are you guys thinking as far as the qualifiers are coming up? Y'all got any guys entering? Y'all th- got any guys that you're like oh i don't know this is going to be the guy at 155 in season four what do y'all think well not only do we have the men's 155 but we're going to take eight females at 135 pounds out of the qualifier as well so looking for two weight classes this time uh super low key this may be like off limits we may not be able to talk about this but who we can what kind of like what kind of just gangsters are going to be in it already the homie uh keith krikorian in it yeah the homie keith he's krikorian, a he wants to he wants to do it man <laughs> it's keith, done. Uh, it's keith, i mess it i talked to keith a lot and keith um and he was trying to get in on this last season he just couldn't do one of the qualifiers he had a knee he had a little knee injury but he was trying to use the pgf to get ready for the adcc trials and he really wanted to do it he really liked the format but He's down there now in Florida, and yeah, he's definitely going to pop by one of the qualifiers from what he's saying. So, you know, Keith's definitely uh, – Keith's pretty good. <laughs> so there's probably a handful or less than a handful of guys that you could pull that would make me change my opinion of that. I think he's going to take the whole thing. Uh, I would have to agree with that. But what's awesome about the PGF is the fan favorites are generally not the guy who wins. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah for, sure, for sure, for sure. And then Hunter and now David Evers. Well, none of those guys are the ones who are drawing in like money from the fans and the super chat and um, having people get excited about their match. Everybody wants to see those guys because, 
you know, Hunter was the best during his season. Elijah was clearly the best during season one. Then you had Elijah again in two and three, and David wins the tournament. But these are not necessarily the, the guys that people are getting the most excited for. Generally speaking, with the PGF, it's the it's the underdog story that gets the fans most excited to come back and watch night after night. So in that regard, it's really, you know, who's gonna fill out the the eight man bracket at the end? Man. I don't know. We'll have to see who comes through the qualifier. But, yeah, Keith Krikorian is saying that he's he's in for the qualifier. And if he does that, then you got to think that he's the the heavy, heavy betting favorite to take the regular season and the tournament. Yeah, that's for me. Two names that I have to see in this season, all right? One, um, and they just had a match against each other. It is, I was so impressed at the SGC. Reese Lefevre, I'm a big fan of Reese, man. Reese is a stud. Um, I, man, I love watching Reese compete. He's just a young kid. He goes out there. He's, um, he, I want to see him. And then Steven Dana, man, I, I, I heard Steven Dana's name. I hadn't really watched Steven in the, I, I, though I know he did the Austin qualifier and I know he didn't have his best showing, but I actually, that was the one qualifier I didn't see. So I was glad I didn't see that because watching him beat Reese, I mean, I know Reese is, Reese is a stud and watching what Steven did. And, um, I, I would love to see Steven Dana in at 155 as well as Reese. What about the uh, women's bracket? You said that's under 135? Yeah, un- under 135 pounds. Who do we have to look out for in that that range? Well, just Is thinking Nikia about doing some, it? Of our, some of our local girls. Nakaya, she'll yeah. probably want to get in there, but she's 115. You know, she's got the Medusa coming up on the same weekend as EBI. Um, yeah, where would she find the strength to deal with the girls a couple pounds bigger than her? She's not strong or anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's I don't a beast, bro. She's going to be... <laughs> He's gonna pick those girls up and any- dunk them. Uh, yeah, but you know, we have another another couple of girls here who might be even better suited for that weight class. We got Bea, who's one of our young blue belts, and is a fiery competitor. Fiery competitor, just raw talent. You know what I mean? So our problem with her is trying to like uh, rein her in and corral her so that we can actually get her to do jujitsu. And then uh, Hannah Guy also. I mm. think be a real problem at that 135 bracket yeah she's tough too what about the girl that hannah faced at the summit grappling oh joani dude i would love to get joani over here that would be incredible yeah joani's super tough as well joani uh joani's got some big wins she's tough yeah she's very good jiu-jitsu player good submission artist well shoot man i want to see some more of the midwest guys man nick who do you got up there that's 155 that you think could really come down and, and put on a show in a, in a tournament like the pgf is there any names up there <clears throat> um hmm. yeah i mean uh first people that come to mind would be um so i, I guess my first question would be what kind of format is the pgf it's a week long so they play you do three matches a night, four nights in a row. You get okay. six points for a choke. You get three points for a joint lock. And then whoever okay. at the end of four nights, whoever the top eight scorers are, they go into an EBI rules tournament at the end of the week. So it's a gauntlet. It's okay. 12 matches during the week and then potentially um, three matches for the final. So potentially 15 matches to the winner. Yeah, for 155, the uh, the people that that are up in the Midwest that I think would you know be a good match for that would probably be uh, Marcus Bader. Um, 
He's part of uh, M Theory. It's a Pedro Sauer school uh, up here in Minnesota. Um, he's a black belt up here. He's pretty good. Um, there's a uh, there's a brown belt who's a professional MMA fighter uh, out of Valhalla Combat named Josh Clark. He's uh, he's very talented. You know, he's one of the best wrestlers I've personally ever wrestled with, and um, pretty much impossible to submit. Uh, just outrageously flexible. Uh, he just limp armed out of an arm bar when I was rolling with him not long ago. It was uh, really quite incredible, actually. Um, and uh, you know, there's there's a handful of people at um, at my gym that I think would you know do well. But um, yeah, for the most part, that's all I can think of up in the Midwest. Is as far as I know, there's also uh, somebody named Spencer Mamey down in Florida recently yeah, just opened up a gym he's a black belt out of there uh he's definitely under 155 he's a sort of a leg lock guy um those are those are pretty much all the people that uh come to mind that i can think of uh and that's pretty much it i, I can't really think of anybody else i'll tell you a name i'd love to see is jordan holly oh, oh man Let's i'd go. love to get jordan over here for a week See, I like the I like the blues and purples, man. I want to see it's dude. I don't yeah, look. Jordan's still, awesome. I, Keith's awesome. Like Keith's my homie. I love Black Keith, belts, man. You know what I mean? Jordan Keith, forty-five. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Dude, yeah, they fight, they fight every weekend. They, yeah, that's a good. Yeah, Jordan versus Keith number number sixty-one. Yeah, um, it's personal. But Jordan's yeah, never yeah. beat Keith. No. no, he's never beaten Keith. He actually had funny story. I, I talked to Jordan like all the time. Uh, he's like one of the, the good homies. Uh, he had oh, Keith yeah. come out for a week to do a seminar and just train with him for a week. And uh, dude, I was talking to one of Jordan's purple belts and he was like, bro, he's like, we tried to submit him for a week. <laughs> I think like, did anyone get him? And he was like, fuck no, dude, we tried. <laughs> he was so, he was like, you just tell like in his voice. He was just That's like, hilarious. And I was like, damn, Jordan, you did all of that. And then, and then they fought again at CJJ. And I was like, bro. I mean, Jordan's the man, dude. He seems like he's on another level right now, man. He, um, he's starting to get that kind of Gordon Ryan where he's just going in and he's uh, just dominating dudes. Yeah, he's just it, running. He's it's been really fun to see his evolution, oh. man. And his that Gianni Grippo match, dude. Oh, Holy brother. Best, best match of the year, man. That was the best match of the year. Yeah, dude. I like literally were on the side and I, he, I was like, who do you have next, dude? He goes, I think I have Gianni Grippo. I was like, all right, man. Well, you know what, dude? You got this. Like, Gianni's good, but you, <laughs> you know, you've been out there with the best guys. You fought Buchecha, dude. You got nothing to worry about. And he's like, all right, yeah. And then he submits him. And he's like, oh, he comes from, you know, we're all there. We're like celebrating and stuff. And I was like, yeah, dude, you, you had it. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I did. I had it. And I was like, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I didn't see that coming. I mean, first guy to submit Johnny Nogi, man. Straight up, dude. And it was, and, and Johnny has fought like the guys. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And like, oh, he is, he's this is a beautiful moment. It was such a beautiful moment, man. So happy for Keith. Yeah, especially uh, American was, Grappler. Like mm -hmm. Johnny's one of the, you know, he's not Keenan, right? Keenan was kind of the 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 first guy everybody really looked to, but Johnny was right after that. Dude, Johnny's so tough, man. So tough. Anyway, just uh, such a feather in the cap, just such a cool moment. Keith's the man for sure. But yeah, I'm with you, Scaff. I mean, I want to see the the blues and purples, but we really need. I feel like we need eight black belts in the in the oh, roster, for sure. Oh, for sure. just to. I mean, I think it's exciting when black belts don't make the final. I think that's fascinating. I think one of the things that is happening through the evolution of the PGF over three seasons now is that we're seeing that 
things that we already believed, right? That man rank doesn't really mean all that much. Like, Hey, it does mean, I'm not saying it doesn't mean anything, but it is not the deciding factor on who's going to win this match. Whereas, you know, early on in my training, dude, if you, if you were a blue or a purple belt and like, it was just, you would have never gotten a match with a black belt. They would have laughed at you and scoffed you. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, there's no way I'm not degrading myself by fighting this purple belt. But, you know, I think, I don't want to say more often than not, but it kind of feels more often than not the purple belts tapping the black belt. It feels like that happens more than it doesn't happen these days. So that's been crazy for me to watch. And I think the PGF is doing a good job of exposing that, especially in Nogi, your rank is not like you should be careful how much is a badge of honor you wear with your rank gotta separate the sport and the art dude indeed so the first quality yeah i know what you mean i oh sorry go go ahead oh i was just gonna say um the way i think of it is i think the the person who's trained the most and the hardest over the last two years tends to be the winner so i think a lot of these hungry blue belts become hungry purple belts and then eventually they run out of training partners surrounding them and they just find something else to do. They get a girlfriend, something like that, and they just kind of fall off and that's sort of I think that's why a lot of these uh black belts will tend to lose to some of these purple belts is because these guys are coming off a couple of years, they're grinding, they really want to get their purple belt. And, and yeah. I think so. every other sport like kind of sees that and then because jujitsu has that muddy like interconnect between the art and the sport we, we we're still kind of like clinging on like holding on like it's gonna matter you know like in wrestling it's like <laughs> the state champion like senior is rolling with like you know the sophomore like regional champion mm-hmm. and the sophomore regional champion just pins him but then the state champion senior just goes sure man you're 16 and you're on your stuff and you're coming up this is awesome dude and just pats him on the back and they go but nobody goes oh my god that was unthinkable. You just lost. It never <laughs> happens in wrestling. They just go, yeah, man, cool. That kid's a regional champion. He's going to be amazing one day. You know what I mean? And then that other, they go, well, he's about to go to college. And then, yeah, yeah you know what I mean? Like, it's just weird with jujitsu because the belt thing. and Well, you know, like that with, um, I remember when guys first started coming out straight out of high school and into the NBA. People were like, there's no way these kids are going to be able to keep up with the grown men. Dude, in the meantime, here comes... And that was true sometimes back in the day. You know, Kevin Garnett took him a couple of years. You know, Kwame Brown. I think he's there. I don't know what happened to Kwame Brown. You know? but even Kobe, straight out of high school. Yeah. Man, he's incredible. But not Kobe the first three years. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, but now, man, guys can come straight out. Like when LeBron came straight out, he he looked like he was – He's a grown man on, you know, his 12th game, you know? Well, here's the thing. There's just the financial side. Like what is the the financial reason that you would stay ready as a black belt? Like most of these guys, there's just not like a lot of incentive for them to grind as hard as the blues and purples. Cause they've made their name. You know, it's tough to add. I mean, the, the way jujitsu is evolving, dude. I mean, yeah, it's like Nick was saying, if, you kind of slack off for two years. I mean, you'd fall behind. It doesn't matter how many years. These guys, well, I've been a black belt 15 years, but 
everybody. I, I mean, Sean's whole gym has probably taken out a, a, a favela worth of black belts. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean seriously, it's just like you gotta, you gotta stay up to date on the, on the game. And when you start to fall behind, like, man, it, it's tough, but the financial side isn't there with the NBA. It's like, you lose a spot. I mean, you lose your spot and you're losing millions and millions of dollars. I mean, you always hear it. The guys have their best seasons win when they're up for new contract Contracts. negotiation. Yeah. It's like, dude, like you got to have your season. You cannot have a bad season. And then once you get your contract, what happens sometimes the guys start to it's guaranteed money. That especially happens in baseball. Dude gets signed by the Yankees for, you know, eight years guaranteed a hundred million dollars. And all of a sudden he goes into a huge slump. It's just because, I mean, mentally, dude, it's guaranteed. What's the, so and he that, can just come back on. out of his slump whenever he wants because baseball hasn't changed in a hundred years. Well, in like, jiu-jitsu, they just if someone wins and does well, people like almost treat them as if it, they'll always be that thing. Yeah. Um, you know, look at some of these older guys, like you know, they you look at Eddie Cummings, man. Like Eddie Cummings broke himself competing. He was in his 30s when he started like gaining notoriety and actually getting out there to compete at the highest level. So basically, when we saw Eddie Cummings for the first time, he was he's in his prime. So injured. That was it. Like you're in your prime. This is it. Next couple of years this is all he's got. And then he's on the decline. And having to train the way he trained up there and then having to compete the way he was competing, he broke himself. Then the dude's back was destroyed. He was having migraines every day. And people are like, Oh, dude, Eddie Cummings doesn't even train anymore. I'm like, Yeah. I wouldn't either. Are you crazy? If I had to deal with, I can either roll and do jujitsu and have migraines every day, or I can go live a fat life with this girl I'm dating that's rich and not have migraines every day. Guess which way I'm going? You know what I mean? Jujitsu was fun. Nah, jujitsu was fun, but I'm going to see all around. You know what what, was like, it the 135 pound cut, Sean? Was that kind of the end I, of Eddie Cummings? Uh, no, he, he competed after that. You know what I mean? He went on to compete after that. You know, he tried to rematch Gio a bunch of times after that, actually. Um, that was whenever he left Danner's, that was like the nail in the coffin with dealing with Danner. And then that was their like turning mm -hmm. point it was just before that event. So, um, that was the, it was his body, man. Um, you know, he left Danner's, he tried to train at unity and do some other things after that, but his body was just so degraded and he couldn't keep up with that level. And again, no one. In jiu-jitsu, no one's ever allowed to physically decline. Like you, you're you, and you're always going to be you. Andre Galvao is always going to be 2019 ADCC absolute super fight champion for the rest of his life. Or he sucks and you beat him for real. You know what I'm saying? Like, Isn't that strange? Like, It's the only sport that I know of, like, just in, in my role. You know, a guy comes through and he's like, okay, I want to... I want to get a piece of Brandon or whatever. Like, Hey dude, I'm 42 years old and I got five knee surgeries under my belt. Like why nobody expects Nick Saban to get out there and run um, cross tracking drills with the linebackers. You know what I mean? But they expect me to get out there and run guard passing with the 19 year old blue belt competitors. I'm like, it just doesn't make any sense to me why we do that. But I, I mean, it's the culture, but I think it's, it's something culture. in the culture that needs to be like, at least examined, maybe not go away. Maybe not. There's a lot of value to it. You still got to be able to show that you know what you're talking about. Luckily jujitsu is an art where I can get out and display mastery uh, as my physicality declines, you know, sport and art, bro, sport and art. The more yeah. we can differentiate between sport and art, the more we can get rid of these toxic cultural 
doctrines or whatever you want to say they are. But we, we if we can separate them, dude, because here's the thing. You can be that in like football. No one expects you to do it in jujitsu. They expect you to get out there and handle business if you're 77 years old. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, I like you think those red belts are out there just dunking on black, like 25 year old black belts in Brazil? Like, hell no, dude. Like, but they could probably teach you things you, you know. Well, we we love hero worship in jujitsu. Yeah. We love to worship our heroes. We love to put on our Japanese superhero outfits and LARP and pretend that we're you know, tapping into the mystical arts of our forefathers and stuff. And Hey, listen, all that's fun, but it's the hero worship stuff has, has got to slow down, dude. Yeah, dude. It's a, it's a thing, man. And even within our own school, you know, Chase is 170 pounds now. That's, that's what he weighs. Well, he walks around 170 pounds. Um, I'm 170 pounds now. So we're the same weight for the first time ever training together all the time it's awesome he was always bigger than me but he was always 190 i was always 160 it's weird but then we got like ryan you know what i mean and it's like bro like it's like 205 or 210 walking ryan's like 200 205 like you know six six foot straight 40 you know just superhuman you know looks like they created him in a lab somewhere yes you know doesn't have any chemical enhancement which is literally mind-blowing because if he did i couldn't imagine how horrible it would be you know, and it's like, all right, great. Now let's go train Ryan and get him ready for something. You know what I mean? Like, you think I'm the guy out there putting my body on the line every day with the guy? I tell Ryan, you get one a week, <laughs> every two weeks, maybe we'll go, we'll move around. You know what I mean? Because it's just like the potential for injury with me and him yeah. going like fast. You know what I'm saying? It's just like insane, right? Same thing with Chase. It's like, Chase, you and Ryan, maybe once a week, dude. Like, you don't need to be Ryan's main training partner. You can train with him, you can help him out. You guys can do drills together. But y'all need to bump heads every single day, twice a day. Yeah, what are we trying to figure out by that? It's like you running your head into a brick wall. That brick wall is going to be fine. But you're going to be messed up. We got these six heavyweight brown belts over here. He can just throw through the wall every day. You know what I mean? They can be the punching bags for him. Me and you, no, definitely not. And he doesn't. But the beautiful thing is, is like, Again, it's all about the culture that you build. You know what I mean? Ryan doesn't come in there every day like, oh, yeah, these guys don't want to roll with me because they know what's up or whatever, whatever, whatever. Ryan's there to get better every single day. You know what I mean? So we can build that culture. It's just going to take time, you know? It it, it takes recognition from the leadership that this is the kind of culture that I'm looking to build. A lot of guys are just looking to run it. I would say most. They're just looking to run a gym and get a paycheck. Yeah. Just let let me just keep the doors open, dude. Yeah. And, and, you know, culturally, like even for myself, I used to take a lot of pride in, like I'll, I'll roll anybody, any weight class, any size, any environment. Like, Wait, How many surgeries have you had? Listen, <laughs> I used to take a lot of pride in that. I, don't do as I, as I did, do as I do now, you know? <laughs> See, I, I do the same thing Sean does. I've never been healthier, man. I feel good. It's like, man, I'll roll with you one, you know, hey, you're 250. We'll, we might, we'll do one every couple of months, you know, but yep. dude, the everyday thing. But you know what, dude, you don't even have to, like what Brendan's saying, you don't even have to like, he's not saying, you, you're not really saying like, I take pride in saying that like, I'll beat everyone no matter how big they are, you'll just accept the role. Yeah. You know, essentially is like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to turn the role down simply because it's physically imposing or I may get tapped. That's beautiful. And you can do that as long as you want to do that. 
uh, as long as the person you're choosing to roll with will match the speed that, you know, because if you go out there with, let's say you're going to train with Alan Belcher, like, all right, me and Alan are going to train. I need Alan to train with me like I am who I am. I don't need Alan to train with me like I'm Chase Sherman. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know what, man? That's a big difference between, uh, all right, welcome to the welcome to class, welcome to practice. All right, are we going to slap, bump, and train together? Or we're going to slap, bump, and need to settle who's who. That's yeah. two totally different experiences. Nick, what? how's the training up around your area, not at your school? Like, what do you what do you see, like, needs to improve in the culture of just jujitsu up in the Minnesota area? Well, um, just for, uh, for next level combat, um, you know, next level combat's a really great environment for people that, uh, are motivated, right? Um, Nate's not the kind of person, Nate Kleinfeld, who's the coach up there, he's not the kind of person that's going to, you know, harass you to come to class or, you know, try to correct you and, and things like that. He's gonna, he's gonna wait for you to come to him sort of thing. And, and I think that the, uh, you know, for me personally, that's sort of been the perfect exact kind of coach that I've always needed, right? You know, I'm, I come from a wrestling background. And I'm used to, you know, people, uh, you know, come on, go, 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 you know, uh, finish your drills or, or whatever it is. And, and he's really not like that. I mean, you know, he'll show the move. And if you're over in the corner doing something completely different, he isn't going to be bothered by it. He isn't going to be annoyed by it. He isn't going to take it personally. Um, and the, the culture at Next Level Combats, you know, it, it's got, uh, you know, there's a lot of freedom there. There's a lot of fun. People show up that. and they're, they're there to have a good time. And really, that's all there is to it. And I think his attitude can sort of be summarized as, um, I'm going to teach jujitsu. Uh, it's your choice what you want to do with that. Um, and I think that uh, that's the... the that's the only gym that I've seen that's like that. Um, you know, we don't line people up. We don't do anything like that. Uh, and just about every other gym I've seen, uh, you know, they say, you know, line up, uh, get, in, get in line, and then, you know, it, belt ranking or whatever it is. Um, and, uh, you know, I always think that that's weird. I mean, I especially coming from a wrestling. Sorry, what was that? We don't do any of that stuff here. Like, and uh, no, Sean doesn't either. Like, yeah, like why can't we just treat it like a regular sport where we're showing up to practice? You know, that's that's kind of how we treat it, man. Just exactly yeah. what you said about Nate. Like, I'm not here to to try to drag you into practice, and I'm not gonna call you when you miss practice. Be like, what happened? We were counting on you tonight. No, nah, man, mm -hmm. I'm here doing my thing every night. I'm I'm literally giving you my best effort every night. Now, you yeah, exactly. What, you do what you want to with that. And I'll look if you just need a place to go and get away from your kids for two hours. Hey, I got you. If you're trying to become the world champion, listen, we can we can help with that too. I want to fight MMA. Let's go. I need to lose weight. Come on in. I can't get there yeah. until 45 minutes after class starts every time. No problem. I'm just happy you made it. Yeah, exactly. And and I uh, I went to a gym once uh, that had you know they had some decent competition. I was just looking for a little bit of variety and an extra place to go. Um, if I couldn't make it to next level combat, uh, because of work. And, and I found this place that was like 10 minutes away and it had good people there. It had Marcus Bader, the guy that I'd, I'd mentioned. And I remember I had uh, gotten there about five minutes after. So I, I went to next level combat trained there for a full hour, then, uh, drove there 
had a, a phone consultation for work at for 30 minutes. And then I came in like 1205 for the competition class. And the coach there had uh, pulled me aside and said, hey, you can't be showing up late. Or, or What's wrong? Are you just waking up now or, or something like that? And I was like, what? What do you mean? I, I've, I've, I've done more than you have all day. <laughs> You're still in sweatpants and a sweatshirt, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's just some of those places are, are just silly. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I definitely am grateful to have uh, Nate Kleinfeld um and next level combat because if I if that was my first impression of jujitsu, I don't think I would have been into it at all. Yeah. Well, some places uh, really try to instill discipline over everything, right? Because motivation doesn't last forever. Discipline is what you have left over, and they try to force that onto their students instead of trying to um, draw it out of them. Essentially, like everyone has a certain amount of discipline in in, in their lives. Otherwise, you don't make it through adulthood right like it's just there's too much things you have to go through so there's a way to draw it out of your students and there's a way to try to instill it into your students right and so i think methodology is everything in regards to that but i know a ton of gyms like that there's a gym that one of my guys came from that's a mildly successful gym they run a good program but when they drill you don't talk the instructor walks around with an ipad with a timer on it and a number and he's keeping track and you don't talk you don't look up you don't anything if you do that shut up or get out drill 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 do this and the people that train there they obviously like it because they keep training there the people leave there all the time and talk about how much they didn't like that and that's why they left but at the end of the day the avatar that that guy has created for his ideal student is one that endures that you know what i mean that deals with that it's a very interesting contrast because i'm the same way i would quit too if i was put yeah. through that you know if an instructor yeah, was super in rude to me, we call those feeder gyms you call them what beater feeder gyms they feed feeder. it people yeah. try out jujitsu and then they're like oh well this is lame i'm gonna try out this other gym and then they come to next level combat and they're like oh this is way better <laughs> yeah you're well, gonna get the guys that didn't culture, like it every culture is made for different people though like like sean was saying there's some people who man some people need to be pushed and some people need to be pulled that's what i have kind of distilled it down to as a coach over the years like some people need you to help them drag the best out of them and some people need you to just kind of sit back and support them and they'll they're already going to give their best or they wouldn't be here you know what i mean those are the kind of people that i really enjoy working with the most like let me how can i help you enhance your the, the thing that you already want like i can help provide that for you you know well, it's always going to come down to freedom versus control, right? And some people like environments that control them. They just they feel like that's what they need. They they're not going to do the work. And, and some people are more freedom based, right? They 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 and typically you'll find that those people are a little bit more self driven. They're a little bit more, um, you know, you don't want to use the word successful, right? Because we see people that in these controlled environments that go on to be super successful. I just, I think 10th planet's always going to appeal to people that are more freedom based and they, yeah. they can make their own decisions. But I, agree. Else, man, I think we, go, all of us are, are different in different areas of our life as well. Like I would love it if somebody would just tell me what to cook and what to eat and what exercises to do every day and just make some rules for me and handle it. And I don't have to think about it. You just want yeah. to be dominated. 
Yeah, I just want to be dominated <laughs> diet and, and exercise. Dominated, bro. But when it comes to my martial arts training, I really don't want anybody to tell me anything. I, I really don't want to hear what you got to say. Like, I mean, generally, you know, like, listen, I've been doing it a long time. I know what my, my own training needs to feel like. And I know when I'm coming up short in some areas, I'm good enough at being honest with myself. And like, hmm. but but you're talking about a discussion. You're open to discussion. You're not open to authoritarian. You know, like you would have a discussion with anybody, but you're not open to authoritarian this way. Or you got to go. But I think that's a symptom, dude. I think that's a symptom of the things that we did to be where we are. Because I'm the same way. And it's like most people don't ever learn that thing that you're talking about. Like, I think anyone could be that way. I think Scaff could be that way. I think Nick could be that way. I think that if they had done what we did, then they would have been faced with that early on the way that we were faced with it. I didn't have, I, the thing is, is I didn't have someone to look at my role and go, oh yeah, man, you should have done this and this. I didn't have that. It was me looking in the mirror every day and going, are you going to suck today? Or are you going to get better today? What's it going to be? You know what I'm saying? Most people can't make it through that. Most people don't have the drive and the motivation to make it through that. Yeah. yeah. You went through the same thing that I went through. I yep. went through it with Eddie. You went through it with me. Like, listen, uh, I'm Sean's coach, but I live six hours away. Like, you know, other than you sending me some footage of here's what I'm working on and let's talk about it. Like there's not a whole lot I can do to be like, no, 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 Sean, you should just put your hand here instead. Well, the amount me, of self-honesty dude is insane. To me, it says way more though. Cause like in all honesty, you weren't very good. You know what I'm saying? Like your coach, when you're coming up, right? Like there were established black belts and it's to me always fascinating a guy like me or Sean. It's like, you know, Sean could have chosen any black belt, in the entire world right yeah. or like you or you know same thing you chose eddie where you had black belts that were 45 minutes away yeah, i didn't know at that time that that i don't know man i just once i once i met eddie i just knew that that's this is the dude i'm trying to learn from yeah and that's how it works right like yeah. same exact thing for me like i was like okay like this is cool i, I went to other schools i tried it yeah I, I was never the guy that like went and held up in my little like spot over here and was just like, I don't care what any of you guys do. I'm doing my own thing. Like the, the turd that's like a white belt that like just doesn't listen to anyone. It was never the case, dude. I went to some of those other schools, bro. Just long story short and to cut the entire portion out of it. The guy that was in town that had a school here or I guess there in Gulf Shores, that guy went to jail. He was a criminal as a pedophile. Like that's not the oh, kind no of way. The I guy met that guy one time. I met him one time and I was like, something's this ain't it. I mean, besides the fact that I thought that, like, because I trained with Brandon, it was no gi, and then I went back to Gulf Shores, and they were in the gi, and I thought it wasn't jujitsu. I just didn't know what I was looking at at all. Like, I was like, no, it's like That's karate. Hilarious. There's a bunch of different forms, and a bunch of them aren't practical. This is stupid. No one would ever do this. But, uh, like, you know, the thing is, though, is what I'm saying is my point, though, is I bet you feel that way about your training. I bet you feel that. That's how I feel, you know? Like if I, if I'm rolling or I'm trying to do something and someone's like, nah, man, this, and I'm like, bro, listen, I've been, I got here today where I'm sitting right now by doing this. You know what I'm saying? Like, not cause it was a guy over my shoulder going, Hey dude, listen, move your left foot. You need to do this better. I'm gonna go home and look in the mirror tonight and hate myself enough for both of us. Don't worry. It takes a certain level of self-loathing to, to, to do what we've done for sure. Uh, hey, let's let's talk about these uh, PGF NFTs we got coming up. 
talk about this NFT space, Sean. You getting jacked up about NFTs? You looking into it at all? You got any? Yeah. So uh, I was a little hesitant with NFTs right away because it's just you know just like the straight up art that doesn't have a utility or anything. I was kind of like, I might wait with coins too though. If they don't have any perceivable utility or they don't have a max, I'm kind of just like, I don't know about that one. So, but what got me. No, no surprise to you guys, I'm sure, was uh, video games. Video games are finding ways to make you uh, utility out of NFTs. You can own in some video games a skin or a gun skin or something, and then you get paid every time it sells within the store. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. For that particular game, like freemium gaming, essentially. And so that drew me in. And so now I, I, now I kind of am. I wasn't a couple months ago, but now I kind of am like in the NFT space. Have you bought any yet? Uh, I own some like little things, dude. Like you know, nothing that I'm super hyped you about. You got one of them bored apes yet, huh? Crypto punk. Hey, look. Why, why do y'all think I got money? I, did I give you guys that impression at some point? In time? Hey, you're hey, you're a successful jujitsu coach. You're rich, man. So I got about five bucks. Let's go. Hey, dude. Nick was the one showing up with the jacket today. He looks sharp. He's got some. He might have a board ape or a crypto. Hey, Nick punk. got a Nick's got a real job. We're I know. He's got that button. He looks sharp, dude. Nick's got low key. Got an GG's. NFT Discord. I've Nick, got you into uh, crypto NFT or anything? Yeah, um, about a year ago or so, maybe a little bit longer, I bought like a thousand dollars in Doge just for no reason, <laughs> and and then I made a bunch of money on it and just transferred it all into Ethereum, and now I've got several nice. Ethereum coins, and that's pretty much the that's pretty much it. Yeah, you haven't gotten into the NFT space at all. Um, not really. I just I just have uh, just some Ethereum coins sitting around right now, and that's about it. Scaff, I know you're you're super into collectibles like ball cards and stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah, no, no. I think I think it's super cool, man. Um, I, I'm with Sean. You know, um, the NFTs took me a, a couple of minutes, I should say, a couple of, of months to really get behind. But now I think they're they're super cool, and I've seen so many different people from Gary V to other people doing some really phenomenal stuff with their NFTs, and I think it's just going to be a, a whole new way to. It's going to change the game, I think. I think really NFTs, um, as long as uh, there, there's you're behind the right project, right? It's always going to yeah. be, are you are you following and getting behind the right project? And if you are, man, not money-wise. Because to me, if you're just always thinking money-wise, and that's what when I first came into the crypto scene, it was just like money, 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 money. But like that's not the way to think about it. I don't really think about that at all thinking about again these projects that you know you kind of believe in and especially with the nft community there's just way more ways to interact than buying a you know you buy an ethereum but you can't interact with that but you know you buy certain of these nfts i mean you're joining a actual community yeah so what we're doing for those of you that aren't familiar with the pgf with the project that we're doing we're making player trading card NFTs and Keelan's been showing them on the screen here a little bit. Like, is that on the screen now, Keelan? That's the Dane leak right yeah. there. So that's like incredible. Yeah. So we're going to have multiples of each of these guys, uh, pretty limited though. There's only going to be 10 full sets available. So if you're like, Oh, I'm trying to get one of everything. There's only going to be 10 people in the world that can do that. So we're going to keep it, limited keep it rare we attached like pgf season tickets and finale tickets and vip seating and all kinds of utility to them you know discounts on gear discounts on instructionals um it's pretty exciting i i 
seems like we're going to sell out quick. I, I mean, I think it's possible we could sell these things out within the first 24 to 48 hours. So the, the drop comes March 1st for the public. If you're interested in getting on the whitelist and getting early access before the public drop, um, Keelan's going to put a description for you um, for the NFT whitelist where you can go and apply for the whitelist. If you're a member of my Jedi archive on my website, or if you're on the mastermind group, or if you're, you know, just a big PGF fan, this is a great way to get on that whitelist, get early access before they go to the public and sell out super quick. I think Isaac is in the chat. He should drop a link to the discord. Yeah. That's the main place to keep up with it all is in the discord. So we got a special new Brandon MC Ninja discord where we got, you know, all the different, ventures that we're into and excited about you can kind of keep up with what's happening there but the i'm super excited about the trading card aspect of it you know we're we come in i we made a decision here a couple of days ago we're gonna have the the common cards so the player trading cards you're gonna be able to come in and get those inexpensively if you get them straight from us and then you turn around and flip them or do whatever you want with and then we built a 10 percent royalty moving forward so Every time you trade them, 10% is going to go back to the PGF. We're giving a big portion of this stuff to the players. Just another way to fund the athletes and fund the PGF and do something cool with the community. I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. Is there any other jujitsu trading cards out there? No. I think we're the first movers really in the combat sports space besides the UFC. UFC has done some trading cards with Panini with their online stuff. And they've done, of course, these UFC strike NFTs that just dropped, which are video highlights. Do they have any utility attached or are they just the NFC art? strikes do not have any utility or utility attached uh, at all. I, I, I got to be honest with you. I was kind of disappointed with their I, I got in. I got in on the drop. So I got four of them. But I just I don't know, man. I feel like I'm just ready to flip them. So they're just collectibles. No utility attached. Yeah. I think the same thing is true with their trading cards with Panini as well. I think that's most of the NFTs right now is they're all kind of collectible arts. Not a lot of utilities being attached. I think Gary Vee was one of the first that really made it to where there's actual value aside from the art. Like these get you things in the physical world. Yeah. I don't understand why people, I guess I do understand it. Anytime there's something new comes along, people are, or they don't understand it, but they form a strong opinion on it. Like, well, I, I just screenshot that. Like this dude here in the in the uh, comments here, put him up. Freaky deaky, non-functional trash, big scam, buyer beware. This is somebody, this is the equivalent of somebody who watches the UFC at Buffalo Wild Wings and goes, why don't they just stand up? I just hit him. Like that's how much you know about crypto and NFTs, if that's your opinion still. You know, like you just, it's not even your fault. You're just ignorant. And I don't mean that in, the, in a pejorative way. I just mean it like, oh, you just don't know what you're talking about. Nah, get him. Nah, get him. No, I don't mean to get, get him. him. I'd like, I'd like to, edu I'd like to <laughs> educate him. And Pull him up him here. Come to, on, come on. I'd like to educate him and bring him into this century. You know what I'm saying? Jeez. How but, dare you come on here and say something like that? You know, it's just. No, seriously, the, the, the utilities are coming though. That's the thing. I agree hundred percent. I don't even. The thing is, is there are people out there that made a bunch of money off of coins like SHIB and stuff like that. That's fine. If it doesn't have a utility and it doesn't have a maximum, there's no way I'm putting a cent into that thing no, because it it's like, 
what, what why is it there is it uh, just it, there it to be just rug pulled collectible just collectible so i, I can see ten dollars on a trading card with no yep. utility attached oh, okay you know there's a market for stuff like that and then you turn around that's got i got one of the rare ones and i'll flip it so we wanted to build that utility the collectability and rare ability that's a utility in and of itself especially when they're lower priced yeah but you guys are doing ones, a good job with it a lot of utility well thanks man it looks we cool. really hard it looks, it looks cool, cool man. you got the guys from the pgf who are the kind of guys that like if you're making like a baseball card of them they're going to just be excited to have the thing and then sure. the other thing is is uh you're giving it utility you're giving these guys like passes to the finale the seminar access just all these things and that to me is the most important with the nfts like i was completely just like out on nfts until i read the article about ubisoft gaming and um because you think about it this way right like your nft you have you buy it and you hope that one day i guess that you can sell it and get like a return on that investment like but otherwise why even have the thing you know what i mean it's not like a it's not even really like a baseball card because i can hold a baseball card i can look at it if i really like it i can put it in like a little frame and hang it on my wall or it can be cool but that nft like it's just in your metamask or wherever you're keeping it like it's just sitting there like it's not doing anything and you could screenshot it or whatever the deal may be or i get all of that part but when it's a utility like you take call of duty for instance freemium gaming where people pay for cosmetics that's what they're buying every day the first year of call of duty warzone they made over a billion dollars and the only money generated the only money it generates is sales or cosmetic items in the game skins Incredible. guns camo camouflage stuff like that and so basically for them it's like hey we can come out we can have our dev team create this our artists create this we may make money we may not because there's a bunch of bundles that just no one buys no one uses you know what i mean and they go we don't know if we're going to get a return on this or not we're going to stick it in the store and see if everybody will buy it if they sell the nfts and someone can have a piece of that then they could say all right um 10 grand for this gun camo on call of duty and if you own it then we'll give you 50 percent of whatever proceeds come from it selling in the store or you could sell it to someone else or whatever the deal is but 10 grand so now they know they're getting 10 grand for it no matter what you get a piece of it which is great because they never needed to give you a piece of it they could have just kept everything yep. you know what i mean it's it's a win-win it's a win on every possible level if you don't like and if you play the games then there are cosmetics that could give you an advantage in the game because of how dark they look when you put them on. It gives you the ability to blend in with the game a little more and it's harder to see you as a player and stuff like that. So if you can spot that kind of stuff early, like there's one specific skin in Call of Duty that if I owned the NFT for and was getting 50% of the revenue from, I would never have to think about money ever again. You know what I mean? Like, So I think NFTs are about to be tremendous. And I think if you ignore them now, it's literally going to be like smartphones. Like you're gonna ignore it, you're gonna be like, ah, who cares, whatever. And then in ten years, you're gonna go, ah, all right. So I guess I have to learn this now. And you're so far behind the eight ball that it just doesn't even matter anymore. You can never learn everything you need to know. You know what I mean? I think as the metaverse unfolds, NFTs will become more and more integral. Like oh, you yeah. talked about with like NFTing a skin for a game. I mean, you'll be able to NFT anything for your virtual world. You know, in the same way where people want to buy some artists painting and put it on their wall in their house people are going to be buying nfts just to simply display in their virtual world whether they can use them or not just simply displaying it in their virtual house before their friends come to their virtual world like it's those kind of things it's clout are, man yeah yep yeah you got that people think about anything else 
it's clout. The same reason when I was 12 years old, guest jeans cost a hundred dollars. And if you had guest jeans, that's the only way you could be cool or, Hey, I got Jordans. Okay, great. You're, you, you're somebody in this circle. If you've got the right stuff, you know, when you get online and imagine if a utility is attached, like, yo, I want to get into this great uh, discord community, but there's no way in unless you're a holder of this particular NFT. You know, or I want to get into this game, but there's a private section in the game where only NFT holders are allowed into the party. You know, like, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff coming down the line. And I think we've really just started scratching the surface on what's going to be possible. I, I think we haven't even really started thinking about those things yet. Keelan, even the pictures, you know, profile pictures. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. That's what they're already doing it. Like on Facebook, I see people with yeah, NFT Twitter profile too, pictures. That's just clout. That's all it is. You know what I mean? YouTube I, is I actually adopting the NFT game as well. There will be functions that you can display your NFTs on your YouTube channel moving forward. Sick. Not for everybody at first. They're rolling it out slowly. It's in a beta state. But yeah, there are all these social medias are adopting the ideas of NFTs and trying to use them to help creators make money on their platforms as well. Um, let's talk about while I add up these scores, I want y'all to talk about the troll versus Kevin Holland. Did anybody catch that last week? I did. It's wonderful. Talk a little bit about that. What happened? Uh, just some troll on his comments, getting after him, talking trash about how he could whip Kevin Holland and all he does is run his mouth. So Kevin invited him to the gym. He had enough and he invited him to the gym and he just thrashed him around. He good spirited thrashing. You know, he didn't, he didn't try to hurt the guy or anything, though he, watching it, he definitely could have. Um, yeah, I liked it. I like Kevin Holland. So <laughs> kind of anything he does, I'm going to be a fan of. How important are trolls like that in the community of jiu-jitsu? Is it good for the gym? Is it good for the, the community? Or are you like, man? No. Cool. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> good. I mean, Dude, it might be good for you personally to outgrow needing to fight them all the time so maybe you got to go through some of that to grow into your best to live your best life but no the they're not woes, dude That's can't get your black belt till you stop responding to the trolls dude if i see you on there one more time dude no black belt <laughs> no dude seriously like the trolling in jiu-jitsu is out of control to be honest like i don't even comment on things on flow grappling or anything like that because it's literally just a cesspool of fake accounts and just people like being nasty to one another dude it it's insane. It's not just full grappling. It's a ton of places, but it's like there are people who are purple belts now that didn't train jujitsu before Gordon Ryan was who Gordon Ryan is today. You know what I mean? There's a generation out there that is looking at that guy. And he's all his character has always been like the apex ah, to them. Yeah. You know, and it's just like guys like it's easy if you knew about like if you were around before him or if you knew him before he did that. It's easy to see it and just go, oh, yeah, cool. It's an act. It is what it is, whatever. But not if you don't know at all. Not if Gordon's a real celebrity to you. If he's an actual celebrity to you, if he's that inaccessible. And so that's what I see on, on the internet, the trolls. It's just can't, dude. It's just, it's just you're a black belt and you leave a comment and you say, I think this was really cool, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then they're like literally you're just saying something positive and they're under there and they're just like, like just you know talking trash to you the whole time and you're like bro i i came here to support this post i didn't even say anything negative what is this you know what i mean you could say anything you could just put a thumbs up and they're just like oh look at this idiot with nothing to say and you're <laughs> like bro stupid yellow thumb yeah dude and it's just like man come on and it's mostly fake accounts you click on the account it's got one picture five followers you know and you're like 
what who are you like you know what while we're talking about the subject of responding to trolls let me respond to this one freaky deaky right here so this is a guy that was nft hating just a second he says i'll do a flying barata plata to your asinine needless blockchain non-fungible token first of all you won't you won't do that you can't do a barata plata to an nft see he doesn't even understand what they are if you're saying that you'll do a barata plata to me that's just that really is probably the stupidest thing i've ever heard so i just don't plus a fly a flying barata plata come on kid you're gonna have to do a little better than that all right guys wrap it up we've got a clear winner what's me um i don't have the drum roll sound effect so you'll have to yep there you go thank you scaff and the winner of episode 62 around the map is sean applegate undefeated baby undefeated let's go well and that's how the cookie crumbles it's yeah. the way it always crumbles from Sean's on. Have you ever come on and not won? No, dude. What do you mean? God. <laughs> I'm going to put you in a flying barata plata. I, <laughs> I just want my first win, guys. Come on. <laughs> That's hilarious. Anything yeah, you can say to the people? Yeah, basically, I wake up in the morning, piss excellence. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, seriously, though. Winning machine. Seriously, though. Uh, Thank you guys for having me on again. I always appreciate it. Uh, it was a fun time. Get to talk about cool stuff that doesn't really come up a lot, you know, in my normal conversations and stuff like that. And I don't really have a lot going on on Thursday afternoon, so it's cool to get on here and chat with you guys and catch up with everybody. So uh, always a positive experience. If you guys want to follow any of my stuff, Trapplegate10p on Instagram, 10PATL on YouTube. Um, if you guys are interested in any kind of uh, like gaming stuff or anything like that. I know we mentioned it earlier. So if you're interested in that, it's just travels on TikTok and YouTube. Um, and that's about it. Other than that, I, again, I just appreciate you guys. I'm always grateful for the opportunity to catch up with you guys and have good conversation, man. It makes my Thursday just that much better. Love having Amen. you on, man. Amen. Nick, thanks for joining us for the first time. Anything you want to say to your people? No, I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, you can follow me on Jiu-Jitsu Addict MN. Uh, that's my Instagram. I try to post uh, Jiu-Jitsu moves maybe once a week or so, maybe a couple times a week. Kind of depends on uh, you know what I come up with. Uh, and uh, yeah, like I said, appreciate having you having me on. And um, yeah, I hope you guys have a great rest of the day. Brandon, the chat's happy that you stayed awake for the entire stream this time. Yeah, last week I was. I dipped out, dude. I got these sunglasses on and my neck was hurting, dude. And so I was like trying to stretch my neck out. And the only position I could find that was comfortable, I was having to do this. And then Steven, he got going. Him and him and Kevin Cheryl, they both went on back to back rants. And then I woke up and they were going, Brandon, what do you think? And I just started talking again. <laughs> <laughs> they, they oh, told man. me i went it full joe best. biden <laughs> it was the best oh dude. man it was sleepy brandon dude damn it the one time i'm not on there oh sean dude it was the oh, best no, i'm so glad you didn't see it you would have burned my house dude. oh dude, that would have been comedy gold dude 
I need cli- I need Keith to clip that one for sure. Please don't. Please. I just want to see him startle awake. I don't. The, all the other parts don't matter. Even what he says. Oh no! Him. I came back smooth. I came back smooth. <laughs> I almost won too. I almost I almost won the whole thing. Falling asleep for ten minutes of it. It was a good healthy nap. It wasn't just like a little baby one. Right, yeah, it was. A, it was a good. It was a good. <laughs>